interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Gonna be a full show today. Let's get this party started. Uh, we commence with Katrina Vandenhoeven, the editorial director and publisher of the Nation Magazine. And Katrina, before I get started, let me let me uh, say first. Congratulations. I saw that big award you just took home, the Mark Raskin Award for Civic Thank and you. Intellectual Courage. That, that That's high cotton, as we say, Katrina Vandenhoeven. Uh, well, I felt a little bit like an imposter, as I know so many people <laughs> do at different times. But I was honored. I knew Mark Raskin and his great son, Jamie Raskin. Many of your mm-hmm. listeners may know of Jamie presented the award. And I was honored because... Our civil rights correspondent, Reverend Barber, William Barber, was the first recipient mm-hmm. of the award a few years ago because COVID interrupted the ceremony. It was three years later after they uh, awarded it to Reverend Barber. But I'm ex- mm-hmm. it was very beautiful. It was at the Library of Congress, and uh, libraries under siege these days, so yeah. we were proud to be at the library. And uh, Mark was a co-founder of the Institute for Policy Studies, a think tank in Washington, which is truly radical in the sense of going to the root, not willing to play games inside the Beltway, where a lot of games are played. Um, But I want, listen, I want to listen, I was thinking it's T, T, and T, it's Tavis, Tony, and Taj Mahal. (laughs) That that sounds like, that that sounds good. I hadn't thought about that. I'd rather, I'd rather... I'd rather listen to the other segments. Than, uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about that, about the three T's. That, that is funny. I, I, I received that. Let, let me ask you, though, uh, be, before I jump into, into uh, this piece you wrote about Oppenheimer, which I'm, I'm anxious to get your take on, uh, and some other political issues that we have to cover in this hour, and I'm glad I've got you for the hour. Um, let, let me stay with this, with this notion uh, for a moment at least. Um, as I mentioned, you, you won the, the Mark Raskin Award for Civic yep. and Intellectual Courage. That's a big deal in our business. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm curious, set yourself aside for a moment. Um, I know how modest you are, but, but, but what does it mean in this particular moment? In this American moment, what, what, moment, what does it mean for you to speak um, civically and intellectually with courage? What's that mean? A lot of, lot of words there, Tavis. Um, I first take the honor because of the Nation magazine, which is uh, 158 years old, and mm. I've been editor, it seems like, <laughs> for that <laughs> amount of time, uh, or editorial director. But the Nation, and I feel I play this role at my best, doesn't accept the limits on democracy. We understand that, you know, we've heard more perfect union. We have a lot of work to do to get to that more perfect union mm-hmm. and to stand up for the rights, which are often uh, diminished in this country. You listen to DeSantis. I mean, Oppenheimer we'll get to, but what he stru- it struck me that he was someone who was defamed. He uh, was a- attacked as a communist, you know, all of these things. And for speaking out about issues of patriotism, of the public role of a scientist in society. But what I, I think civic courage is being willing to take positions, to stand by first principles. And when they come after you, whether it's in the media or it's a gang or a posse, or, you know, they attack you for your views, you stand tall in mm-hmm. the context of the struggles that have made this country. We got a lot of, I mean, I think the history of this country zigs and zags. Mm-hmm. I think of I think of DeSantis in the last few days, the obscenities, the toxicity. I personally don't think we should pay attention to him, but I guess that's dangerous. But then today, 
President Biden is, you know, a, um, how to put it, he's going to open a memorial to Emmett Till mm-hmm. and his mother in Mississippi and in Illinois. And it, that's taken too many, too many years for justice to just begin to be done to those who, like Emmett Till, were destroyed and ravaged and lynched in this country. And I think of Robert Johnson, mm-hmm. the publisher of Jet, who in 1955, I believe it was 55, Tavis, made the decision, and he was a businessman, but he, he made the decision that Jet would show the photograph of Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. And one didn't know at the time, but the ripples around the world in this country opened up a, more than a discussion, but that there was a horror and understanding by good people that this is not what they consider America, but that America exists, yeah. and we see it today. We thought it was, you know, we thought we'd done the work, but that work is still to be done. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Robert Johnson. I know you meant John Johnson. John Johnson was Ebony John and Jet, John- and Robert Johnson was BET. Was I knew both of them. Oh, uh, forgive me. Well, of course, Bob yeah, Johnson's still living. Like- no, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. I just want to uh, say that for those who uh, may have confused the two. Uh, uh, Bob Johnson was BET, John Johnson, uh, Ebony and Jet. But let, let me, but again, let, let me follow up on that right, right quick here. Um, and I'm not naive in asking this, and I, I love the answer that you gave me, uh, what it means to you, at least in this uh, uh, moment where I demand democracy is so fragile uh to be courageous when we when we speak civically and intellectually i I appreciate the response let me ask you though again not not out of any naivete why it is that you think that kind of civic courage is so uncommon these days why why are we given how fragile our democracy is why are we so afraid to speak truth to power and for that matter to the powerless boy that's a big question but it's important i think some of it is that civic values have been eroded, mm-hmm. you know, like that there's, I mean, I'm all for Barbie. I love the Barbie movie, but there's a con- consumerism, a social mediaization, a quickness to uh, attack, mm-hmm. a intolerance that doesn't allow people to listen to it, to each other and have debate and discussion. Um, but I, I think there are a lot of things in our society which have, chill, you know, people feel af- afraid to speak out sometimes. And I think that, is is wrong. I think uh, I'm not talking about obscenities. I'm talking about just how we continue as a community and a society. Mm-hmm. Um, but civic values are not prized in ways that uh, it seems to me should be. The other area where I feel very strongly about, and it's it's really off the radar, Tavis, we would do really well to def- redefine what security means. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the military, the militarization of our of our country and its engagement with the world. Security to me is about fighting pandemics, fighting nuclear proliferation, fighting inequality, global inequality, and climate. I mean, we sit here in this summer. Mm-hmm. How can one deny in this extreme weather uh, that there's not a man-made issue we have to confront? And that to me and food insecurity, these are all issues that get lost. And what's a nuclear weapon going to do for that? Uh, so I, I talk a lot about alternatives. I, if I had to be an ism, it would be an alternativism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm an alternativist because there have been roads in this country's history which are good that were taken and very bad that were taken. And, you know, we live in the shadow of nuclear weapons and um but I, I do think sometimes, and I, I worry about the Democratic Party in kind of a big way, that you can't just fight uh, American fascism. You have to give people something on offer, you know, mm-hmm. that you have to be more than just against. 
fighting American fascism is a worthy and important task. But for a lot of people, they seek, you know, more immediate yeah. things in their life. Yep. I, lo- I love I love the frame that you're putting us in. My friend Connie Rice, who I talked to yesterday, always says uh, that in conversations these days, we have to always get our frame right. If you don't get, if you don't get the frame yep. right, then nothing else matters. I want to get the frame right here. And I love the way you sort of reframe the way we ought to be thinking, the way we ought to be defining uh, and addressing this issue of security. What would it take for us to shift from the way we see it now in this militaristic frame to the frame that you're offering us that we need to consider? You know, it was on offer. It was more on offer in a curious way in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like you had people like the leader of Sweden and that country's now part of NATO. What is NATO? NATO is not a coffee clutch. Mm-hmm. It's a military institution. <laughs> and it was designed. I used to say it's Tavis a coffee a tea clutch. Party, but I can't say tea party anymore. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, yeah. You got me. But it used to be it was designed to counter another military institution, the Warsaw Pact, not to get too weird, but mm-hmm. it that folded at the end of the Soviet Union. But NATO is all about providing weapons. And it's good for the uh weapons manufacturers, the mm-hmm. companies. But, you know, the leader of Sweden, which is now part of NATO and the reasons for that, but leader of Sweden was a man who thought of security in the ways I'm talking about. And there was, you know, there, human security is really, I think, an important frame that is off the radar right now. It, 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 I think it'll come back, but it's going to take rethinking and work. Yeah. And I think... Um, that's you know it's yeah. it's a new it's a new uh, frame. Yeah, when you said human security, um, it is a new frame for us to consider. It's not a new frame for Dr. King. Um, and Absolutely. King King once spoke as you as you know, and and it's been written about more times than I can count in the Nation magazine by brilliant writers. But King suggested in the '60s that what America needed then, and God knows we need it now, is what he called a revolution of values. What we Absolutely. need is a revolution of values. I don't quite see that happening, but I think that's the answer, Katrina. A revolution it's a of values. Beautiful phrase. Yeah. Um, I will add that you know, 1967, he spoke at Riverside Church, and sure. he added to the revolution of values and other brilliant f- frameworks that he was opposed to the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. and that you know that turned his allies against him. No, of you know that, Tavis. Yeah. I mean, not just Johnson, President Johnson. But, you know, the liberal allies, he was never invited back to the White House. And interestingly, as someone, as a journalist, as an editor, the nation called him a moral prophet. In Mm -hmm. fact, he wrote for the nation for six or seven years. But the New York Times, the Washington Post, all the big liberal, so-called liberal, you know, TV and other, denounced him as a traitor. And that, to me, is civic courage, where you speak, he knew, and, you know, I think, there's a new biography, the depression he fell into at different times after yep. being ousted and outed and put, you know, not treated well by his allies. Yep. No, it's a powerful book. Um, I wrote a book, of course, about the last year of his life <clears throat> called Death of a King. Uh, but jo- mm. Jonathan Igg's new book uh, called King is the one you're referencing. And that is an amazing, <laughs> amazing text by Jonathan Igg. Uh, just bumped into Jonathan in Chicago last weekend. So, uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing text by by, by Jonathan. I highly recommend it. Uh, and to your point, and, and let me just take a moment yeah. to just say thank you uh, to The Nation magazine for standing by King during that tumultuous period. But see, because that, er- that's 
everybody part. turned. That was part. Of, yeah. yeah. Turned against. Everybody turned, turned against. against. Yeah. Na- the Nation magazine. The Nation magazine. And, and we talked. We mentioned earlier John H. Johnson uh, of Ebony and Jet fame. Uh, the right. Nation he and Ebony and Jet may have been the only three that stood with him. Everybody turned against him uh, when he came out against he, that war in Vietnam. Yeah. And someone I knew of growing up <laughs> was, you know, the FBI had these t- uh, surveillance on King. Mm-hmm. And it was prompted by, again, the ugly rivulet sort of strained through our history of this McCarthyism, mm-hmm. this feeling that he was in touch with communists. Yeah. But that the taping of uh, King, it was a vendetta by Hoover. Yeah. Uh, there is a biography of Hoover, if anyone wants to read it, by a former nation intern, which is pretty great. It won the Pulitzer Prize this year. No, I read it. And I, had her, I, I had her on the program. Yeah. You had her on the program, yeah. Oh, she's great. No, she is I amazing. I have not read the book. It's yeah. huge. I look at it, and it looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 King, the, King book ain't small, the King book ain't small either. It took me a few weeks to get through it, but it's a good book. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of McCarthy, we'll get to him in this side. Not the McCarthy you're talking about, but this guy ain't far from him. Um, uh, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, uh, has oh, uh, says publicly that the Biden family allegations, and I quote, are rising to the level of impeachment. The Biden family allegations are rising to the level of impeachment. That from Kevin McCarthy. We'll get to that later in this hour. Um, let, me, let me do this right quick. I want to just move this uh, swiftly. I mentioned that you wrote a piece about Oppenheimer that I was fascinated yeah. by. And for those who are movie fans, you know they called this past weekend Barbenheimer. They called it uh, <laughs> Barbenheimer Weekend because there were two big films that came out. There was the Barbie film referenced earlier by Katrina Banyan Hoover. There's the Oppenheimer film, and together they had huge box office numbers, the best they've seen in years. And so they called the weekend Barbenheimer. Katrina wrote a powerful piece about Oppenheimer, and I've got about five minutes here before we uh, uh, step aside uh, and continue on the other side. But but just take a minute for those who didn't see your Oppenheimer piece to to unpack what you were trying to get across in that in that uh, that editorial. So two or three things. Robert Oppenheimer, famous American scientist, best known as the father of the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, But the film raises, this is set during the war, World War II. The film raises questions of the role of the scientists in the public square, the political square, as public intellectuals, as people who speak out. Uh, and Oppenheimer, after creating the bomb with other scientists at Los Alamos, turned to the idea that the bomb should be controlled by an international forum. But most important, again, Tavis, is that he spoke about issues of patriotism, of uh, the role of science in society. And think of today, it's so timely, not just because of the arms race and the dangers of nuclear weapons, but think of the role of science and how someone like a McCarthy, we were talking about, or DeSantis, or the Republican Party has become no-nothing party in treating science like a danger, not mm-hmm. an ally. And so Oppenheimer, in that sense, I think, is a, is a warning, but also an inspiration for those. We don't have many scientists. Oppenheimer was on the cover of Time magazine in 1947, I believe, <clears throat> as a scientist. Mm-hmm. Can you remember? I mean, we've had Fauci, but that's a different experience. Sure. That was in the heat. But the role of science has been deep, kind of de- demeaned. And uh, Oppenheimer's is very much worth seeing for many reasons. And not just because the co-author of the book upon which it's based has was an editor for The Nation for about 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I hope he has points. 
Yeah. Is it, do, do you think, i got about 90 seconds here, do you think that what we are experiencing in real time, starting namely with the extreme heat, do you think that the science deniers are starting to get the message? I say all the time that people eventually wake up, if not because they see the light, then because they feel the heat. Well, we're really, literally feeling the heat right about now. Is that enough to convince these science deniers that something is wrong with our planet? Marginally. Uh, Marginally, Travis, I wow. Think there's wow. An emo- yeah. yeah, I think there's an emotional piece to it that doesn't uh, get addressed by rationality and science. And I I saw that in some reporting about the money coming from the Inflation Reduction Act, the Biden legislation, Mm -hmm. going to red states where people don't want to use that money for like solar panels Mm -hmm. because they don't believe it. So it's a a slog. It's a, a process. I do think there's some people who've decided Geez, this heat, extreme yeah. weather, but it's going to be a long process. Yep. Um, I, I love Katrina's honesty, even about, even when I don't like her answers. <laughs> so her answer was, her answer was marginally. It's, it's, you know, I mean, you know, you think of the states where the money's a lot of money's going to red states. Yeah. But there is an emotional kind of investment yeah. that it takes a longer time uh, to kind of overtake. Yeah. When we uh, when we come forward, let's talk some politics. Um, I mentioned uh, Kevin McCarthy. She mentioned McCarthyism. Uh, this is a different kind of McCarthyism, but nonetheless, McCarthyism uh, in real time. Uh, our Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, says that the Biden family allegations are rising to the level of impeachment inquiry. We'll talk about that with Katrina. We will talk about uh, Biden uh, today creating a monument to Emmett Till. Uh, amidst all these fights over black history. You heard Katrina reference that. We'll unpack that a bit more for you when we come forward. You heard her reference Ron DeSantis. Uh, It's not just Ron DeSantis saying that slavery was good for black folk. We'll talk about that in more detail in hour two today on the backside after I give it to Tony Bennett uh, with Dr. Daniel Black. We'll get Katrina's take on that in this hour. And Ron DeSantis has now said that uh, January 6th was not an insurrection. He said that to Russell Brand. So Ron DeSantis just <laughs> is going to the bottom fast, uh, but he keeps making news, and he's running for president, so we got to talk about it. Uh, Katrina Vandenhoofel is our guest right now on Tavis Smart. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. Hey! hey. I'm Tavis Smiley. Glad to have you in with us in this hour. Uh, our guest in this hour is Katrina Vandenhoevel, uh, the editorial director and publisher of The Nation magazine and the recent recipient of the Mark Raskin Award for Civic and Intellectual Courage. Always delighted to have Katrina on this program. Katrina, I'm feeling sort of Jeopardy-ish. Uh, Jeopardy-ish. <laughs> uh, there are three topics on the board, Katrina Vandenhoevel. I'll let you choose which topic okay. you want to do first. Do you want okay. McCar- Do you want Kevin McCarthy? Do you want Joe oh. Biden and Emmett Till, or do you want Ron DeSantis? Which topic do you want first, Katrina oh, Vandenhoevel? You choose. You choose, Kevin. <laughs> I just want to say one thing Sure. on a up, more upbeat note. I'm involved with a group called Covering Climate Now. Mm-hmm. Hope people will go check that out. And it's We have about 2 billion journalists across the world covering climate change. But the most interesting part to me is that there's been a program to work with weathercasters around the country, and particularly in the South. And I find that they're really eager to get more information, more resources. And I think local news is critical in many, you know, in many communities. I watch it every night. And if 
it can lead with something other than blood and gore, yeah. it's good. So yeah. the weathercasters, to me, are the front lines. Yeah. All right. Well, well I'll, I'll take your entreaty. Right, so I'll, I'll do, choose for you. I'll choose for you. Since we're talking about deniers, let's start with Ron DeSantis. So oh, let, let me just tee this up. You already know this, and the audience uh, in part knows it as well. But uh, of late, there have been a couple of things he said that just are completely outrageous. And I'll let you sound off on why he's still in the race and what we make of the fact that he's continuing to just, you know, lead this race to the bottom. So days ago, uh, he said that slavery was good for black folk. Uh, he has doubled down now on that. Uh, as you heard me say at the top of the program, saying that slavery was is good for black folk because it gave us jobs is like saying that the Holocaust was good because we got Anne Frank's diary out of it, right? Or that apartheid was good yeah, because we got yeah, President yeah. Nelson Mandela. It's absurd. But he, he's doubled down on this notion that slavery was good for black folks. We'll get into that in more detail in our second hour. And now he tells uh, Russell Bram that January 6th was not an insurrection. What is? Here's the thing. We were told that Ron DeSantis, you recall this line, everybody used it. That Ron DeSantis is scary and dangerous, but he's smarter at least than Donald Trump. That was the that so was the true. line. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a he's an Ivy League educated lawyer. That he's smarter than Donald Trump, and yet every time he opens his mouth, he sounds as stupid or stupider than Donald Trump. What am I what am I to make of that? So so Travis, really important question. You talked about the frame before. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you're looking at in the Republican Party is Trump. And his Trumpian excesses and extremism still defining a lot of the Republican Party. Uh, who is supporting this? You got to you got to ask where is this where is this coming from? This is part of American history that we thought had been excised rightly had had gone. And here you have the second leading candidate in the Republican primaries after Trump talking this way. And I think some of it goes back to critical race theory demonization. Mm -hmm. It goes back to a demonization and an othering and making that a brand and a hallmark. It's just obscene. It's not a, it's obscene. It's toxic, but it's plain to some extent. I mean, that it's actually being discussed seriously in some ways is a measure of how far we have to go. DeSantis is scary because he, as you said, he's like the smart one, right? Mm -hmm. He's not the he's not the Trump one. Mm -hmm. But I do think the race to the bottom, the race to the extremist bottom, is part of what the Republican Party is dealing with at this point. And there's a base that is taking it in. It seems. I mean, I, I, you got to ask why, mm -hmm. and then just. It's 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 hard to believe. Yeah. Um, let me let me let me let me look a little further down the road. So, Ron DeSantis continues to say these things uh, in hopes of uh, you know to your point this race to the extremist yeah. bottom. He's saying this now to play to some base in the GOP, which he hopes will allow him to get the nomination. The polls don't indicate right. that Donald Trump at the moment is still the presumptive nominee. But I see what DeSantis is trying to do. Here's the problem: looking further down the road. This is not a winning strategy for a general election. So how do you? No. You can't. But you. But you can't. But you can't. You can't roll this back, though, Katrina. Come the general election, you can't roll it back. You know what? I hate to tell you, you might be able to wow. do a little bit of this. This country. One of our contributors once said, "The U.S. of amnesia." I fear that there is a willingness to suspend, uh, you know, history mm -hmm. and memory in favor of winning in, you know, the Republican Party. And I think he, the base strategy is beyond dominant right now. And I think the pivot is possible. Wow. And that's what's so frightening. 
Yeah. And I, I do. But now, you know, Trump is out there, you know, I mean, all Looney Tunes. But again, the base, what is I always think, you know, we're, we should be looking at Trumpism. Right. Mm-hmm. And DeSantis is part of Trumpism and what's happened to this, you know, Republican Party. And why? I mean, the racism there's there, you know, you know, this, Tavis, there's a desire to hold on to what was mm-hmm. and what was includes horribly slavery and you know the people are like freaked out all this attack on trans people on gay people on african americans it's like people showing their worst mm-hmm. and their fears in ways that mm-hmm. like they don't want the country to change yeah so i, and I it's horrifying yeah now how to fight it i do think media bears a responsibility mm-hmm. and i you know we're seeing uh there are lots of there's a new alternative media structure. You know that, Tavis. Yeah. Some of it's interesting. Some of it's not so pretty. And there's an openness to kind of, quote, a range of views. And I'm not kidding. There's possible DeSantis mm. pivots yeah. to a general. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking some of this stuff he can't walk back. Uh, Katrina Vanderhoover, much smarter than I, says the pivot is possible. But, we shall see. We shall see. But you got to The media has to play a role in reminding people yeah. because it could just pass. I mean, it's hard to believe this could pass. Yeah, yeah. But don't deny. Yeah. You said uh, that um, we have to fight this. Indeed, we do. We had uh, Kimberly Williams Crenshaw on yesterday. Speaking of critical race theory, um, she has a TRC summer school that we talked about yesterday for people who want to learn more about that. Um, and um, President Biden doing his part, at least in this regard today, as you mentioned earlier today, he's creating uh, a monument, um, uh, opening, establishing a national monument today to Emmett Till amid these fights over black history. So in some ways, although there is a, there's, a, there's a certain symbolism to it, the president is at least pushing back in this regard, Katrina. And, you know, Tavis, mo- monuments matter. Mm-hmm. We've seen the, the fights over monuments. It is important that there be a monument to Emmett Till because, you know, kids, high schools will visit. As part of that visit, there'll be a lesson. Uh, excited that Kimberly Crenshaw, this is a different point, is coming on the nation cruise mm-hmm. in middle August. We'll benefit from her wisdom. Oh, good. But come, someone like Kimberly, you know, but, but look, look at what happened at Texas A&M. I don't know if your listeners followed this, but the president resigned because mm-hmm. she brought in a very distinguished, experienced editor from the New York Times who had, whose work had focused on diversity, inclusion, equity. A black woman, a black woman, a black woman, black woman, black woman. And the alumni and some of the trustees raised a ruckus. Mm -hmm. And then she just stepped back because they, like with Nicole Hannah Jones at uh, North Carolina, they began to uh, eat away at her contract. So it wasn't tenure. It was four years. Then it was Mm -hmm. a year. That's right. And in dignity, she stepped away. But this is what's going on in some of these places. And that has to be, I think, first of all, exposure yeah. is important so that it doesn't go under the roof or doesn't the, go under the yeah. road. No, I hear you. The, the Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley National Monument will span three protected sites in Illinois, where Emmett was born 82 years ago, and in Mississippi, where he was killed at the age of 41 after, of course, being accused of whistling at a white woman. So the president uh, unveiling and uh, creating uh, that monument today in honor of Emmett Till. It took a long time, as Christina said earlier, to, to get a monument to Emmett Till. But I'm glad that uh, he and his mother are finally being so honored by President Joe Biden. When we come forward, we'll get to Kevin McCarthy uh, and uh, some other things with Katrina Vanden You're listening to Tavis Smiley. 
Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. So Kevin McCarthy, uh, Katrina Vanderhoeven, says uh, to Fox News' Sean Hannity uh, that the Biden family allegations are rising to the level of impeachment inquiry. Um, that's the strongest statement he's made so far. Um, <laughs> it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know what to make of it. But what what do you make of it? You know, Kevin McCarthy doesn't know who he is, and he's like a hostage but held. You know, his deal with the MAGA power elite was a kind of bargain. Uh, and Kevin McCarthy, to put it generously, is like a moral nullity. Mm. But he's <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. I think I'm kind of sick, and I think a lot of people are of the sort of prosecu- prosecution as politics. And I don't know. I don't think it's going to go far. But the Republicans have minted uh, that politics pretty well. And he's looking for... He's probably, you know, looking for things to do, and he's uh, Trumpized and kind of it can't operate freely. Mm. It, he has it, to do what Trump says, and I think that's part of his problem. But to your to your point, though, he's all over the he's all over the map on this. I mean, he he, he said, you know, months ago, in fact, pushed back. <laughs> push back against those GOP lawmakers who wanted to vote on a resolution to impeach President Biden. That's what he said a few months ago, and now he sort of changed his tune. I'm, you know, listen, moral constancy is not Kevin McCarthy's uh, greatest uh, quality. He's being, you know, pushed around, I think, by uh, this election, and I think he's trying to get his bearings. But, you know, the push for impeachment of Biden is a long-held kind of mantra mm-hmm. in the Republican media, in the party. And I think it's, you know, it's hard to look at the Republican Party as it's constituted now without looking at the extension of media. Fox is no longer, I think, the big thing. And you got rumble and you got all these other modalities and a lot of playing to those. And so that ups up the uh, extremism. Yeah. Um, I asked this question one of my guests yesterday, uh, but it wasn't Katrina Vanden who was. Let me ask you right quick now. Um, beyond Kevin McCarthy, and I take your point, he's being held hostage by these Republicans on the Hill. Um, you can't start out the way he did with, what, 25, 28, yeah. 28 yeah. votes, whatever oh it was, God. to get elected. Remember those nights? Yeah. Oh <laughs> vote after vote after vote. So you knew he oh. was going to end up being held hostage by by somebody, given all yeah. that he had to sacrifice and, 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 and agree to do to get the job. So this is, in some ways, this is no surprise but i guess what is surprising to some people though is how uh, anti-law enforcement the gop has become attacking the fbi and other institutions what's your read of that oh i'm a heretic on this one mm-hmm. i uh, feel that you know there's a long tradition we we're talking about king and the fbi's mm-hmm. role uh i'm not someone who considers the fbi or the cia arbiters of morality and i think our media to some extent has Mm-hmm. Uh, put them in that place. I think you got to be skeptical, whether it's a Republican or Democratic administration. I'm not a huge fan of those agencies. Yeah. I knew she was going to say that, and that's precisely why, <laughs> why I asked that question. I knew her answer. Uh, for those who listened yesterday and heard today, you say, Tavis asked that question yesterday. I did. That's why I prefaced it by saying I didn't ask it of Katrina Vanderhoeven. Uh, <laughs> I knew her answer would be different, and there you have it. Our remaining moments with Katrina when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. So, Katrina, in the uh, four minutes I have left, let me uh, uh, take your temperature on the following. I saw a piece you wrote not long ago about Robert Kennedy Jr. and his campaign 
for the Democratic nomination, of course, against a sitting president named Joe Biden. Uh, Marianne Williamson was just in the studio the other day and a few days prior to that. My friend and brother Cornell West was in this studio. So we've talked to Marianne. We've talked to Cornell. Robert Kennedy Jr. is on his way here. Uh, and perhaps we'll get to our President Biden on at some point uh, as he uh, as we move forward. But my, my, my question is, what do you make? And they're all three different people, of course, Marianne, Cornell, Robert Kennedy. But but what do you make of the fact that um, that the president is getting a push uh, or push back, as it were, from his left? I wish it was a stronger pushback, to be honest. Mm. I uh, admire Cornell West. Uh, we had an editorial uh, wishing he was running in the Democratic Party. Marianne Williamson is very, uh, you know, very interesting. Bobby Kennedy Jr., um, I think his foreign policy, as I wrote about, is really uh, something that we haven't heard from a presidential candidate in decades. I think his uh, dismissal of science, I would call it that, is problematic, and his distrust of institutions. I just spoke of my distrust for the FBI, but he's distrustful of, you know, major institutions. Um, I think he's more than Cornell and Marianne Williamson. I think he's really pushing back more, you know, effectively in the numbers. What that means is interesting. He's uh, been doing a lot, a lot of media, as they have. I w- but, you know, I'm someone, the nation endorsed Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. in 2016 and 2020. We believe in insurgent campaigns and challenging the Democratic establishment from the left. I don't think this year has the same markings mm. as 16 and 20 in terms of the kind of uh, insurgent spirit, which should exist. But I, I think it's muted. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of folded into some of the labor movement activity. We may see a UPS strike. Sure. We may see a UAW strike. You're out there with the writers and the mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're teachers, they're nurses. That's an insurgency, which I think the Biden White House is a little flummoxed by because Biden's been good on labor compared to previous presidents. But UAW had uh, fairly radical, yeah. uh, hasn't endorsed Biden yet. And, you know, their White House is not sure what's going on there. So anyway, I am for insurgent spirits. I think each of the three candidates you mentioned has issues. Um, and I fear it's not the strongest insurgency framework for this time. I hear your point. Uh, my exit question here with 90 seconds to go. Um, uh, for those who didn't see the piece or uh, want to understand better why, why did the, the nation editorial board um, suggest that Cornell West should be challenging from inside the Democratic Party, and not outside? So this was not the editorial board. It was just the editor and the uh, publisher. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the, fair enough. the feeling, fair, but the feeling that having, uh, in, it's, what, what witnessing Ralph Nader mm-hmm. once, twice, and the you know the view that third parties nationally mm-hmm. don't usually make a real run at it. I hate to use the word the S word sport. There, there's mm-hmm. a tendency to sometimes spoil. Listen, sure. the nation supported Working Families Party. It supported many local, state, regional runs. But the presidency is a tough one because of the systems. We need to reform the Electoral College. We need to reform this and that and then have a strong third-party run. But at the moment, the third-party runs are often difficult because of the system and ballot access. It's boring. That's what, <laughs> by the way, tr- politics can be trench warfare, excuse that, or uh, boring. But I just wanted to say one thing about, you know, King, remember Dick Cheney, and we didn't talk about the pathetic nature of Pence. Sure. But, you know, Cheney used to oppose making uh, King a national holiday. That's right. He called him. And think of the evolution yeah. where we are now, you know, Emmett Till Monument today president. 
But I mean, you still have retrograde, nope. and it's in that spirit, which is nope. so ugly. The struggle continues, uh, uh, and um, we, uh, as we say around, uh, we say around here all the time, when we fight, we win, but we got to fight uh, because fight. Uh, because yep. the struggle does continue. For now, I thank Katrina Vandenhuvo, editorial director thank and publisher of the Nation Magazine. We'll do it again. All the best to you, Katrina. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. A lot more to come on Tavis Smiley in this next hour. Tribute to Tony Bennett. A conversation about Ron DeSantis and. His suggestions uh, that slavery was good for us black folk. And Taj Mahal joins us live in the studio in hour three. It's going to be a great show. Already has been a great hour. Two more to go. You're listening right now to Tavis Smiley.